Good morning, everyone. Welcome to ICF Rome online. And for those who will eventually be on campus, this is Pastor Jennifer Pasquale. And I'm excited for this season that is upon us. You know, we're celebrating Jesus. We're thankful for everything that he's done for your life, even if you don't know it yet. So as you enter into this service today, I encourage you to lean into the worship, to stand up if you can and praise your, raise your hands and praise the Lord because God is faithful. He has a word for you today. I am believing for a miracle in your life. It's in motion. You joined us online today and God has ordered your steps. God has a word for you. And as you lean into his presence, I know that your heart and your mind is going to be lifted, healed, restored, rejuvenated. I'm so thankful that you are joining with us today. The first thing left fast. I wanted them to dance it before, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. Good morning. It's a wonderful day to be in the presence of the Lord. I hope you know your neighbor. If you don't know them, at least just say hello. Church is a nice place to be friendly. Tell them it's good to see them in the house of the Lord. You may not know. For some people, you might be the first smile they see today. So make your smile very wide. It's good to be in God's presence. And I just want to start by maybe going back to the announcement, actually, which was made on uh, the Christmas extravaganza that we are going to have. Please invite someone. A lot of these activities we have, you know, like the Finishing Strong we had yesterday. Hello, all the women. And also the Christmas extravaganza. It's an opportunity to reach out to people who don't come to church. Everybody loves Christmas. You are not telling them to come and listen to somebody preach. You are telling them to come for Christmas. And so they will gladly accept. So think about that workmate of yours. Think about that neighbor. And just tell them there's going to be nice time to sing songs and praise the Lord over Christmas. And then let the Lord do what he will do. Amen. We had a lot of people yesterday who are not even from this church. And uh, some of them not even saved. But they had an opportunity for a seed to be sown in their lives. So I'm encouraging you, for that person that you don't know how to witness, just tell them to come for the Christmas extravaganza. Ask them to come for the Christmas carol service. And if you need a card for invitation, you can see any of the people in the ushering and hosting team behind. So, hallelujah. Today, I want to thank Pastor Jen for giving me the opportunity to share the word of God. And um, it is an honor, but at the same time, it is also a privilege, I should say, to stand before you and preach the word of God. And I'm hoping we learn together from this wonderful series we've had on um, Jehovah Jireh series. I want to say welcome to the online campus. So those of you who are joining us online, you are welcome. We are happy that you are joining us. And we know that there's no distance with prayer. There's no distance or even network. God is connected the same, whether through Wi-Fi, through internet, or live. So I was asked to preach today, maybe some two months ago or so. And I was like, my November and December is extremely busy. I need to get ahead of everything. And especially when we confirmed that Finishing Strong was going to be on the 25th. 
So I got my message ready uh, at, at least some six weeks before. And because we're talking Jehovah Jireh, I went back to the first mention of Jehovah Jireh. Many of you who know the Bible, you know the law of the first mention, which simply means you go back to when a certain concept or a certain word was used in the Bible to understand its original, especially when it comes to the word of God, the names of God. You want to understand what is the context of uh, what was happening when that name came or when that concept was revealed. But so I, I went through and I, God led me to Genesis 22 and I prepared my message. I had the slides ready. And then a day or two later, I felt God told, telling me, that's not your message to preach. I'm like, okay, then give me something. I don't know, but I, I, I wanted to be ready, so I'll be ready. And so first week happened, Pastor Jen preached, she didn't touch Genesis 22. I was like, yes, Lord. Week two, she didn't touch Genesis 22. I was like, hallelujah. Week three, we had a visiting preacher and he preached my message. <laughs> and when it was happening, I was in Budapest uh, attending Inspire Budapest, which was great. And so greetings from the folks from uh, uh, Inspire. And so I was like, okay. Lord, you told me this is what is going to happen. And what do you want me to do? And I felt God leading me to the fact that because such a foundation has been laid about Jehovah Jireh and him being our source, us understanding where this comes from, maybe the concentration should be what is our response to us knowing that he's Jehovah Jireh. And so you're going to see me read again from Genesis 22, just because we need to be reminded. And we are continuing, for those who are here for the first time or you missed a couple of series when Pastor Jen introduced why we have the graphic we have that you are seeing. So this is an example of a missionary, who, one, of the first, one of the missionaries, at least from record that we know, who when he went to the mission field, he decided to carry his coffin because they knew that when I go, I may not come back. There were no aeroplanes. There were no cruise ships in those days. It took you three months at most to get from where you were going. And in most cases, we were having missionaries coming from Europe, going to either Asia or going to the Americas or going to Africa. And so if you died, it will take long to even bring your body, if at all they'll bring your body back. If where you are going to, to minister, there was any sort of um, uh, methods to, 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 to preserve your, your dead body. <laughs> I may put it that way. And so this graphic is showing a missionary who's saying, I'm going, surrendering my life, and being ready for whatever happens. And whatever I need, the Lord will provide. And so as you see that graphic, remember this is somebody who is giving their lives to the Lord in every way. And so this is why I decided to continue to go with the graphic. All right, let's read Genesis 22, verse 1 to 14. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. 
He took with him two of the servants and his son Isaac when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. He set out from the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. You, you, you need to read the Bible with a bit of imagination. Are you imagining son and father walking down? One is carrying the wood, one is carrying the fire. And three days have passed. Abraham knows what is going to happen as they are going up the mountain. You know, even just going up the stairs is a bit of a battle, eh? Now imagine they are going up the mountain and all these thoughts are running through him. So I'm just trying to invite you to have a bit of drama going on in your mind as you read the Bible. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamp for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. A lesson, first of all, to the parents. I love the fact that Abraham did not lie. He spoke out of faith. Sometimes the easiest to keep your child, you know, uh, like quiet is to make up something that you have no idea, you have no intention of fulfilling. But Abraham decided to speak by faith. So this is a challenge to us. When you're in a situation when you're not sure what to say, say the truth or at least ask God for wisdom. Okay. When they reached the place you, God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the hood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the hood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught up by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Amen. So you're already familiar with this passage because we talked about it last week. And so we are going to continue. Um, and I'm just going to do a bit of a reminder before I go to how should we respond uh, to Jehovah Jireh. So Jehovah Jireh simply means the Lord will provide in English. That's what we like to say. But actually, what it means is the Lord will see to it. And God will provide. Meaning the Lord will see the situation and it will provide. If you want it in more modern English, the literal translation is actually, God will see what will happen and then see what to do about it. This is what Abraham said when, when, when he said, this is, we are going to the mountain and the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. What Abraham was declaring was, when you and I, Isaac, go up to the mountain, as God sees our hearts, 
as God sees our obedience, as God sees our faith in him, he will see that, he will be pleased, and he will provide. So Jehovah Jireh is actually a sentence, not just one word. So now we see that that's what Isaac, and I'm also mentioning Isaac because Isaac was not a baby at this point. Isaac was probably in his teen years and maybe even early 20s. And I'm sure he could have easily overcome a 100-year-old Abraham. But he was also obedient. Okay? So the Lord saw that. And I'm challenging you today. Is God seeing your faith? You are asking God to provide. Is God seeing your faith? Is God seeing your obedience? And then when God saw Abraham's faith and obedience, he provided a lamb. You know, there's a saying that we are waiting upon the Lord. Somebody said, Sometimes we think we are waiting upon the Lord, and yet we are keeping the Lord waiting. So tell your neighbor, are you keeping the Lord waiting? And then we see that at the beginning of Genesis 22, the, the Bible says, and God wanted to test Abraham. And I know this is a very hard thing to appreciate. Why did God have to test him? Of course, the Bible says God does not test you, you know, but this is... An opportunity for Abraham to show what he really, what was in his heart. God had given him the one thing he really wanted, his beloved son. And so God was saying, are you able to surrender this to me? God was not even interested in a dead Isaac, by the way. What God was trying to do was to let Isaac offer even what was so dearest to his heart and say, even this Lord, you can have it. You can. It came from you and I'll still surrender it back to you. So when God tests us, it is not because he does not know what we are made of. He's not ignorant. But when God tests you, he is giving you an opportunity for you to find out what he is made up of. Because in all this situation, it was Abraham who said, wow, you are Jehovah Jireh. Before that, Abraham had not known God as Jehovah Jireh. And I'm challenging you this morning. What is it that God wants you to know him as? When you study about the names of God, do you know that name of God personally? So this is the challenge to us today. And I know when, sometimes when we go through tests, when we go through challenges, it, it is very hard to know what is it that is going to, uh, how, do, how, how do we proceed through this? But I want to read from Hebrews 10.35, which says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Paul was writing, supposedly Paul is the writer of Hebrews, and he was writing this to encourage the Hebrew Christians to say, whatever trials you are going through, do not throw away your confidence. And I'm encouraging you, if you feel you are going through a test, don't throw away your confidence. The Bible assures us it will be greatly rewarded. Amen. And so when you go through even some of the contradictions of life, can you imagine God gave you Isaac that you really wanted, and then he says, I want him. I want you to sacrifice him. So when you're going through the contradictions of life, how do you respond? Let's learn from Abraham. Abraham decided to say, the Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. And I don't know what contradiction of life you're going through. You know, you, you thought it was going to be like this. <laughs> you thought when you get to, when, when you finally are out of Egypt, uh, you didn't think that the Egyptians are going to start running after you with their chariots when there's a Red Sea in front of you. But in those moments, call on God. None of us has it all figured out. 
It's okay to go to God and say, you know what? This is not making sense. How do I move forward? And then in those moments, you get a chance to have God reveal to you in his new name. So now, how do I respond to Jehovah Jireh? Knowing that he's all-powerful, he can provide, how should I respond? And my first point is recognize God is your source. God is your source and he provides your resource. I love, Pastor Jen likes to say, don't confuse the resource for the source. Okay? God is your source, but he will provide a resource. A resource could be your job, could be your business, could be whatever way it is that you are getting the form of livelihood support you are getting. But God is the ultimate source. And he gives. He can multiply what he's given. And he's the source of everything that we have. If you read from Romans 11:36, it says, everything comes from God. Everything exists by his power. And everything is intended for his glory. I mean, there are so, if, if I ask you right now, you, you're going to find me a verse in the Bible that tells me about God being the owner of everything, you know? Everything we have is from God. And so, and I know sometimes it's very tempting to only look to your parents because your parents are the ones who are footing your bill. Your boss is the one who holds the key to give you the next contract or not, to promote you or not. But shift your focus. God is your source. You can command and change things in prayer because God is your source. The Bible says it is God who lifts up one man and puts down another. God is your source. So I don't know if you're feeling discouraged that no, they said they're not going to give me the contract next year. Go back to God. He's your source. Sometimes our, 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 the problem is we, we only get to, our eyes are, ref, are fixed on the resource. It's my job. It's my salary. That's not the only company that can employ you. That's not the only business that can keep your contract going. God has many surprises for you. So if you shift your focus from that one resource to God, your source, he's going to open more doors. Hallelujah. You know, when, when, when Peter has fi had fished the whole night and caught nothing, and he was an expert, he even taught Jesus, you know, Thank you for your concern, but as an experienced fisherman, I know this sea. You are a carpenter. You can't tell me how to do my job. But then he humbled himself and said, nonetheless, at your word, I will do this. And the catch they got was so great, he gave up fishing and had to follow Jesus. May the Lord give you a surprise. That was a blessing that is going to be so big. You leave that fishing and go to fishmen. Amen. And this is, not where the, the, this is not where the blessing ended. When Jesus was resurrected and he appeared to, at first they didn't know, he appeared to the disciples, they were by the sea. At, they also had not caught anything. They were going through that phase. And when they found him by the shore, they found Jesus. He already had fish and he was preparing it. And when he invited them, they got to eat already prepared fish. God has a prepared blessing for you. Amen. So look to him who is your source. There is a prepared blessing. There is a prepared blessing. And I want to challenge those of us who are in formal employment. It is very hard to sometimes look at God as your source because everything is provided. On a certain day of the month, it's going to come. But you constantly have to shift your heart and say, Lord, 
help me. I thank you for this provision, but I don't want my eyes, my eyes just to be on this salary. I want every time to keep you as my source. Hallelujah. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Again, needs. A warning. I know sometimes as uh, Pentecostals, we, of course, we are faith preachers. We believe in faith. We believe in miracles. But what we are believing God for, it's not just because we want to make ourselves feel good, you know. I'm a child of God, so I've got this, I've got that. It's because he wants it to be used to the extension of his kingdom. He will provide my needs because he knows if he provides my needs, Enala is just not going to be focused on herself. She is going to think about the kingdom. So I'm challenging you for that blessing that you're asking God for. How is it going to be used to the extension of his kingdom? God blessed Abraham. If you go back to Genesis 12, he said, so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Who is being blessed through your blessing? Who is being blessed through your blessing? Point number two, reach out and believe God for a miracle. Ask big and ask boldly. This is what Abraham did. He simply said, the Lord is going to provide himself a sacrifice. You know, when we were reading Genesis 22, there was three days that passed between when God had told him to sacrifice his son until they actually got to Mount Moriah. You know, this is the time that usually oh, in my country it takes to bury someone eh? when you are dead. Uh, sometimes we extend more days, but normally it would be three, four days. In Abraham's heart, Moriah, um, not Moriah, Isaac was already dead. If you receive the news that your loved one has cancer, many of us, we are so devastated because we are thinking, oh, maybe we don't know how long they are being given. So now you can imagine, Abraham is actually told, your son is dying and you are going to do the killing. As a parent, that was harsh news. But in that moment, he decided to say, Lord, you gave, and I'm going to trust you. I'm gonna, you said this son is the one through whom the promise will come. You're going to do something about it. And until he went out, and, and, until he went to Mount Moriah and decided to actually obey God, he saw the miracle. He saw the miracle. And I want to just also encourage us in... When I talk about ask big and ask boldly, Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead before there was any record of anyone being raised from the dead in the Bible because he believed he's going to come back from the mountain with uh, Isaac. That's what he said. And when I talk about asking big and asking boldly, don't ask God based on your experience, based on your resources. Allow God to do the miraculous. And one of the things I want to, get, to show us that we see in the Bible is the small miracles of how God multiplied what was little because it was also surrendered to God. If you look at the, the widow who was uh, one of the, a, a wife to the prophets of Elisha, they used to have what was called the school of prophets, you know, like the disciples following a particular prophet, and they were following the prophet Elisha. So when one of those died and the widow remained, um, the husband had actually left her in debt. Husbands don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. So she, he left her in debt. And the debtors were saying, we are going to take your sons as slaves, as payment for the debt that you owe. And so when she went to Elisha and said, please, I need a miracle because I don't want my sons to be taken away. 
Also, we learn from her that when you, are, when you are in a tight spot, talk to someone. Pray with someone. Don't sit and just give up and say, okay, they are coming to take my son. If the widow had not gotten to Elisha, she was not going to experience her miracle. And what was her miracle? Elijah just said, do you have jars of oil? She said, I have a few. He said, go and ask, and ask not just a few. And then he said, start pouring the oil. And the Bible says the oil was pouring until there was no jar left. Do not discount the small things that God can do in your life. All you may need is a jar of oil. But if you have a jar of oil and faith, God can use that. Hallelujah. Don't discount the small things that you have. Do you remember the boy who had uh, five fish and two loaves? Or is it the opposite? Do you know the Bible? Which was it? Two fish and five loaves. Two fish and five loaves. Five fish and two loaves. <laughs> there was loaves and fish every, somewhere. Hallelujah. But what we see was what was little in man's eyes, surrendered to God, became much. So this is also what God can do. Sometimes you have a little, but if you surrender it to God, you're going to see the power of Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. Third point, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Faith is a, is a prerequisite to obedience. What we see with Abraham, like, I, like we read, he only gets to see the miracle. He only gets to see the lamb after he has obeyed. Why didn't God show him the lamb from day one? I mean, why did God choose to complicate things? Remember at the beginning of the scripture, we were reading that God wanted to test Abraham. And when Abraham fulfilled or passed the test, as we would call it, he saw the miracle. God didn't reveal the lamb until Abraham was ready to complete his act of obedience. The Bible says he had his sword open. And then the angel called out and said, Abraham, Abraham, there's a lamb over there. That's the one you're going to sacrifice. But he was ready. I thank God that he's not asking me to sacrifice Isaac. He's not asking you to sacrifice someone. But what is it that you love dearly, that you are holding on to, that you are scared that if I put it on the altar of God, I don't know what's going to happen next. God is saying, I want your obedience. There's such a blessing uh, <laughs> when you obey, because then you see how God provides. And I'm going to give an exa another example of the story of Naaman. So for those of you who love Bible stories and the Old Testament, I love to read Bible stories because I'm always amazed. I'm like, how? I thought this is today. It was happening then. And you are just able to relate to the Bible so much. So Naaman was a Syrian army general who apparently got leprosy. And in those days, if you had leprosy, you are an outcast. You don't mingle with anyone. We're just waiting for the day you die. That's how that society was. If they saw you coming in church, someone will have to shout so that everybody else runs away from you. So you can imagine when you are such an accomplished man, an accomplished general, but all of a sudden no one wants to have anything to do with you. And then he heard about this prophet in the land of Judah who could heal. And you know who told him about that? One of the seven girls that they had taken from the land of Israel had told Naaman's wife, I'm sure maybe she was busy braiding her hair and said, ah, there's a mighty prophet back in my land. What a powerful evangelist. She was a seven girl. 
She was not educated. She was not from a powerful family. There was nothing to write home about. But her word of faith, her word about God reached Naaman's ears. And I'm praying that God will give you the boldness to whisper to someone about the Christmas extravaganza, about the Christmas carols, because you just never know. This was a servant girl. She could not go be in front of the king, but she told somebody about her God. And so when Naaman gets to Elisha, Elisha didn't even go to greet him. You know how oh, you have protocol, we have somebody coming, the general is coming from Syria. Elisha sent his servant. said, tell that guy to go and wash himself in the Jordan River seven times. Let me tell you something about River Jordan. I thank God I had the privilege of working in Jordan for two years. The River Jordan is a dirty river. It's muddy all year round, except from near the source in Israel. That's where you have it looking a little bit more cleaner. If you come to the actual Jordan, there is nothing to write home about in terms of how it looks. And so this king, he's coming from Syria, where they have clear rivers, beautiful rivers. And he says, first of all, he's sending his servant. He can't even come. He can't even come. And many of us would say, oh, no, the pastor didn't even come. He sent a leader, <laughs> sent a servant. And so one of the servants of Naaman was like, you are a great man. If he had asked you to do something extraordinary, you would have done it. Just humble yourself. And what's so difficult about you? You dip, one, come out, two, come out, three, come out, count with me, four, come out, five, come out, six, come out, seven. Healed of leprosy. Healed of leprosy. So the servant was like, that's not so hard. It's just a simple thing. Please do it. And he did it. And you know what happened? The Bible says his skin was like that of a baby. Naaman's healing was not in the River Jordan. Naaman's healing was not even in the, seeing the prophet Elisha. His healing was in obedience, in doing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know, but you may also have your one to seven to dip. You may need to take a plunge in humility. You may need to hold your tongue. You may need to have to reach out to somebody and say, I'm sorry. You may need to reach out to somebody and just say, Jesus loves. I don't know what your one to seven looks like. But if you complete your act of obedience, there's healing on the other side. Hallelujah. So I talked about surrender means you are not alone. You actually are in partnership with God when, you, when we surrender. When I was a little kid, because <laughs> I got saved very young, which I thank God for. And so the, the concept of Lord, I surrender, when we sing that song, and we had the Red Redemption hymns in our, in our church as well, that uh, apart from the usual singing, we do also sing a hymn. I'm like, I'm not going to say I surrender, Lord. This God I'm reading in the Bible, I don't know where he's going to take me. I no, and I don't want to lie in the presence of God. Jesus, I love you, but this I surrender business, I'm not sure about. And then I remember one day in praise and worship, God touched my heart. He told me, you believe that I have the plan, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future, plans not to harm you. 
If you believe that, do you know that by surrendering, you are freeing yourself to walk in my will, and my will is not to harm you? And I felt like such a Lord lifted. I, was, I probably might have been 11 or 12. But having that understanding to say, when you surrender to God, it actually frees you. You know you are not alone. You are not figuring this life business alone. That is what Abraham decided to do. And so I'm encouraging you because you cannot have Isaac and Jireh at the same time. You have to surrender one and then Jireh will come. But when Jireh comes, it comes with Isaac and more added blessings. Hallelujah. And lastly, I'll ask the keyboardists to come and just to help us as we're going to close. I want to challenge us to resolve to partner with God. What does that mean? You know that he's Jehovah Jireh. You know that whatever he does, he does it through. He does it through his people. Yeah. He will perform miracles. He can perform a miracle by himself. But also we are here to partner to bring other people into the kingdom of God. And so I want to challenge you to partner with God for the salvation of, man, of, of many. It could be inviting somebody to church. It could be actually witnessing to somebody. It could be supporting a missionary. Or it could be helping someone with a financial breakthrough. You know, I talked about the lady, the, the widow, who Elisha said, go and look for jars of oil. She had to go and borrow many from others. I thank God for the neighbors who said, you want some empty bottles? You can have mine. They participated in the miracle. Maybe you are that neighbor that God is saying, release some of your bottles. Give them to somebody else. I have use for them. And I know sometimes you have people that maybe you are sponsoring for school, you are sponsoring in whatever, you know. Many of us have responsibilities beyond just ourselves and nuclear families. And I'm saying partner with God. And when you do that, use it also as an opportunity to say, <clears throat> you know, I'm paying your fees. And I just wanted you to know that this is because of God. Use that as an opportunity to throw in God and a message. Don't just send your dollars. Don't just send your euros. Don't just send and feel even bad. These people from home, they're always asking me. No, use it as an opportunity to partner with God and say, you know what? God is the source. I'm not doing this because everything is okay for me, but I believe God has put me in this position. Tomorrow it could be. Use that as an opportunity. If you want to give something to somebody on the street, don't just say, oh, thank you, and then you give them the two euros. Tell them, God loves you, and he can change your life. And walk away. They're getting your two euros. They're getting your five euros. They're here. So let's partner with God. And also let's partner with God to be the ones he uses when we are, to, to provide kindness and encouragement to many. Hallelujah. Praise team, you can come out. So how should I respond to Jehovah Jireh? We've said recognize God is yourselves. Reach out to him in faith. Trust and obey. And remember that surrender means you are not alone. And resolve to partner with God in his covenant name. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Thank you so much, online family, for joining us. And we are also challenging you to say that in whatever way God wants to be Jehovah Jireh to you, respond to him. Respond to him. Say, Lord, I resolve to be a partner with you. Surrender. I don't know what it is that God is 
sometimes we hold so tight to our jobs so much that the moment the boss says I'm not happy you go sick because you're like oh my goodness this one my source I don't know if I can find another job I don't know if I can no 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 God is your source surrender that I don't know what it is that you hold dear that you go like if only they took this away from me I don't know what is going to happen to me God is saying I'm your source I got you if you are alive today it means God is it's a sign God has, God's got you what's the worst that can happen if you drop dead you are in heaven with him which is even a better place than where we are now so surrender whatever it is that you have don't let it keep you away from God hallelujah the praise team is going to lead us in a song and then afterwards we're going to praise wow the Lord is faithful to his children as you have listened to the message today, I pray that you hear the Lord saying, I know you, I've called you by name, and I'm working on your behalf. I invite you right now to say this prayer with me, to make Jesus Lord over all. Maybe there's something in your life today that has caused you turmoil, that has put questions or doubts in your mind. You know, the Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. In this season, we celebrate Jesus, the name that's above every other name. So pray this prayer with me right now and ask Jesus to help you. He's with you. You are not alone. I want to say it again. You are not alone. So Father, we thank you right now. I'm going to pray this prayer and you're going to pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, you say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life, to take over every concern I have. Forgive me for those moments when I have doubted or don't trust. Be the Lord over all. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I say yes to you. I'm all yours from this moment forward by the power of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to encourage you, if you have said this prayer, send me an email, write us, join us on campus when you get to Rome, because I know that God has something for you, and I know that you need to know you're not going to do life alone. I also feel very impressed today as I pray for you for the needs in your life. I know that during the, the winter months, there's lots of different emotions that come about. And I want you to know today the Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. He said his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And so today, I want to pray for your miracle. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would heal the broken heart, that you would restore the wounded mind, that you would be Jehovah Jireh for the one who has needs financially. God, you have shown us this year that we are the living proof that God is at work in us and through us. So right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, across the airwaves, wherever you're watching from, I am praying right now for your miracle in motion. I want you to say, I believe. 
I believe that God is with you. I believe that God is for you. And I believe that he has brought you to this family of faith, not only online, but wherever you are, that you would know. I have people who write me and I'm praying right now that you'll be one of those ones who said, I found new hope, new life, new purpose as I join together in prayer with Pastor Jen and all of those at ICF Rome. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your online giving. I thank you that you are sowing seeds. You are sowing gratefulness to God for all that he's done and doing. This has been an amazing year of living proof. And today, as we think about, we're getting ready to go into a new year before we know it. I want you to know God is with you. God is for you. You're not alone. Your miracle is in motion. I love you. We love you. And most importantly, Jesus loves you. So go out there, walk for him, shine for him, and believe that he's got a miracle for you.